Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. How are you? Hey, Robin. Happy Tuesday. How are you? I am doing well. What about yourself? Doing great. Can't can't complain at all. De definitely in the swing of the school year and uh, getting back to the routine and everything. And everybody's good. No complaints. Yeah, I think we're all back in school now from uh, K-12 yep. to higher ed, from, you know, uh, the east to the west, north to south, all part, all part of the, at least the U.S., I should say. We're all yeah. back in, in school and getting settled into routines and Weather's starting to cool off in a few places around the country. So I think some people are starting to get a peek into fall. Uh, so yeah, it's just, just that time of year. Um, excited about chatting with our guests tonight. Um, what's uh, What's been top of mind for you though? Just uh, you know, going back into the new school year. Yeah, I think uh, not just at my own school, but as I'm talking to you know educators around the country, I, I think it's really like this renewed hope for change. I think people are are those of us that are 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 looking for it anyway are are really thinking about okay how can I do things different and there's kind of a I think an optimism obviously there's still plenty of frustration we want to be sensitive to the teacher shortage and all those kinds of things in in places around the country um, but I I'd like to think generally speaking that that people are optimistic and really wanting to do things differently and and, and move past what are what are you experiencing what are you hearing and kind of in your role. Yeah, I mean, even here at Microsoft, we're starting to see a, a shift of tides with, you know, last year, there was, I think, a lot of teacher burnout and just didn't yeah. really want to, to necessarily uh, do extra training. They, you know, teachers went through so much training during the pandemic, and then they kind of like, hey, we, we got what the training last year, let us just kind of get back into the swing of things this year we'll come back and visit this. And so we're, our, you know, we're starting to get a lot of requests for, um, you know, teachers to get more professional learning and development going and also a, a high demand for that to be in person. So yeah. again, I think the, you know, while virtual has its benefit and you can, you know, reach more people across multiple time zones and spaces and have things, you know, recorded, et cetera, for use later, um, people miss that human touch. And so that's actually beginning to some, something that we're hearing more of is, can you guys come in person? Can you be here in person? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what's going on. And, and then from the higher education perspective, we're actually starting to see quite a bit of students who are pushing back on the faculty in the higher ed space, because a lot of faculty has wanted to shift back to only providing the in-person learning environment on their in their colleges or in their universities and mm -hmm. our higher education students liked the hybrid uh, options and having yep. the ability to go in when they need to, but also receive it virtually. Um, so it's really interesting to see the, the dynamic and the shift of the student voice in the higher education space to really advocate for really a hybrid learning approach. Yeah. And what a novel concept that we might actually, are you suggesting listen to our students? Is that what I'm understanding from you? Like, I'm I mean, saying that's they know what they want and then and higher ed yeah. you know they're actually paying to be there so we might should listen <laughs> absolutely within reason right within reason we want to take some of those things with a grain of salt but um yeah i think it's interesting too that uh, i'm hearing a lot about not just training on the tools you know you rewind a few years ago and it was everything was a one note training or a team's training or a whatever um, and it seems like there really is a shift and i know our guest tonight aaron's gonna love this just really practical application. Like what are we doing with those tools? Right. 
how can we help students collaborate, help teachers feel more connected? Um, it's no longer about just the app, but what the collection of apps and tools can really do to change teaching and learning. So I certainly hope that that momentum continues as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you gave a little sneak peek to our guest. His name is Aaron. Um, some people might know him out there. He's been a great <laughs> friend, uh, an amazing member of our community, but on all around, just an educator that I have so much respect for because he challenges the status quo and he doesn't let you know, what's always been the case, stop him from doing something different. And so I really appreciate that with Aaron. It's something that I've admired in him for a long time. But with that, let's let's go ahead and bring on our, our guest for the, tonight. Let's do it. Welcome Perfect. to the show, Mr. A.A. Ron. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Good to see you guys. Great to see you too, my friend. Yes. Excited to be here. Talk yeah. shop here a little bit. That's right. So other than our, uh, you know, my low-key introduction, Aaron actually is an incredibly talented educator. Uh, he's from Iowa, and he's also the creator and the host of Coffee for the Brain, which is an amazing, successful uh, podcast and blog. He also has uh, authored two books on Legos and robotics and is currently working on a really super cool project with NASA. So I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more of that tonight. But uh, welcome to the show, Aaron. So, so grateful that our audience is getting to learn from you tonight. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. I think anytime we can have conversation, if any words shared can spark an idea or inspire one other person, then, uh, you know, consider it a success. And that's, that's hopefully uh, what we can do here tonight. Absolutely. So Robin mentioned a bit about, you know, your role and some of the things that you're doing, but dig in in case folks are watching and, and don't know you as well, Aaron. Tell us a little bit about your current role and kind of the, the bigger picture things that you're working on or maybe some of your personal philosophies that you're really focused on in education right now. Yeah, so so now I have a incredible job where I get to support 21 school districts on the eastern side of Iowa. Uh, it's roughly, and with the private schools, we're, we're upwards of 40 or 50 schools. And, and I have a really sweet title called STEM Lead, um, which means I can kind of mix, you know, all the magic potions the way I want to do it. Uh, but my primary areas of focus, STEM, computer science, and social studies. But where my passion lies, and I think where we want to get with some of this conversation is creating these engaging, authentic learning experiences. So regardless of the content, uh, just as you guys were talking about in the introduction, I think people are, the, they're, they're hungry. I think they actually maybe have a little bit of energy to, to be hungry again uh, for what are we going to do? Um, and I think that's not just the, the voices of students saying that. It's also the educators at whatever level in terms of K-12 or higher, as well as whatever your role is in schools going, you know, it's 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 time. We need to maybe do, rethink some of this. And that's not always easy. It's not always easy. But I think a lot of people are, are starting to realize, like, it, it's time. It's time. And uh, let's, let, let, let's pony up and make it happen. Yeah. I think during the pandemic, you know, one thing that we can all say is, you know, we can we proved in the pandemic that education can be nimble if brought to the task. Um, yes. It can happen, and so how do we you know keep that nimbleness attitude up so that we're not like oh yeah we can do that but like you know two years down the road three years down the road uh, how do we get that and in keep that innovative spirit going to say yeah we were forced into a situation where we had to be really nimble but how can we take that and propel into the next thing so that we can continue with that, those nimble motions moving forward. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, I like how, 
how you frame that up there because I think what's what's happening is there's there's two things that that kind of converge at the same time. One, we prove to ourselves how nimble we can be, how agile, how we we had to pivot. Like society was kind of moving at some sort of direction of that, but it was probably going to be a ten or fifteen year journey, most likely in the business world, and then you know if it ever reached the education thing, and then overnight we all had to go and we had to be nimble and we proved that we could do it. On the flip side to that, not the flip side, but on the parallel, there, there was another thing happening. And we were layering 21st century tech tools on 20th century pedagogy, and it wasn't working either. Uh, kids weren't showing up. Kids just flat out weren't doing the work. The, the, the tool wasn't necessarily um, being the amazing thing. And why? Because the instruction there um, hit a wall. Some of that was just flat out because of just virtual and online. But now that we're back in schools, We've got both things. We've proven we can do it. And we also know just putting a shiny object in front of people doesn't work either. And so now how do we marry both of those in a proactive movement forward? And I and, and where I've been living and breathing with a lot of educators in schools right now is how do we make things authentic? And if we have a purpose and intentionality behind the tool, behind the structures that allows us, we, we know how to be nimble now. So when we bring... I'm going to call it the real world, which always seems weird because when we're in school, it is real world. But like these real world opportunities into the landscape of, of, of schools, we have to be nimble every single day. We're all we're, we do that now, no matter what job we do. And now how do we weave that narrative into the fabric of this education for kids? But then also finding out ways to dive deeper into the work through the use of effective use of tools and, and different sorts of structures and systems that exist that are out there that, you know, just like Microsoft has just a few tools that can help you streamline some processes so you can spend more time in the deeper levels of engagement. So there's a ton to unpack there. And first of all, I feel like the three of us could talk for about two hours on all this stuff because I know it's like speaking to so many of our passions. <laughs> but and, and I want to get to the bigger picture of, you know, kind of real world application and the current project that you're working on. But bef before we can get to that as educators, and we talk a lot about it on this show, you know, through the different PLNs that we all know each other. Talk for a minute about how important it is to try and not do these things in silo, you know, in alone by yourself. How, how important is it to find people in your building, in your district, across your state, around the country, um, especially in your role, you know, supporting these 20 plus schools? What, what does that PLN, that teacher network do to kind of develop this bigger picture thinking? Yeah. Well, I think first you can't do it alone. Um, and I think a lot of times I think about myself, you, you reach a point in somewhere in your journey where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do it my way because doing it with all these other people just isn't going to make it. It's just not happening. It's not moving fast enough. Right. And we go and we go and we go. And, and maybe I'm the only one that's been that way. But I, I bet a lot of people are kind of agree to at some point we just go, just let me be, let me do it. Um, but you, it's, it's not sustainable. And I think about like the, like the, the MIE expert program. And you think about the longevity of that and you think about your PLNs or the ones that are successful, it really comes down to community. Um, and it comes down to this, this agency and ownership. And we talk about relationships, people always say it, but do we really like break it down in terms of what does that really mean? Um, there's an absolutely phenomenal book out right now uh, by Susie Weiss from the D School called Design for Belonging. If you haven't seen that, it's all about the elements of how we feel, like how to, how to actually create experiences and spaces to allow people to feel like they belong. Part of that, I think the two things that one that, that I think has stood out 
as long as I've been part of MIE, um, as well as the schools and the teachers and stuff I work with, there's a lot of things to go after, but to be succinct for time, the, the, one of the key aspects is the sharing of gifts. We all have something, and a lot of times we don't give ourselves credit to acknowledge what those are, but to share that gift, because there's nothing more rewarding than when someone receives it. Not in the sense of like, I need a pat on the back, but that, that, that energy that happens when you reach out, you ask a question, someone gives a response. And sometimes it's even maybe dissent, right? Maybe someone's going to push back, but doing it in a professional way where you don't feel personally offended, it's like, how do we, we unwrap this learning? That right there, when I think about MIE, that's the power. Like people give and provide gifts of their knowledge over and over without judgment. And I think, how do we harness that back into the education landscape more? I think teachers have it, but how do you, you partner that with, with, with instructional coaches, with administrators, and it starts to have these more powerful conversations because I think everybody wants it. We don't always know how to do it. We can leave ego at the door and provide our gifts. I think that's that's really where the, where, where the magic happens. And in the places that have worked, that's what it's been. It's, it's been working with people who we know we can show up and, and be ourselves and, and push and pull together to make sure the learning works and is doing what we're all after the end of the day and doing what's best for kids. It's like, I mean, it goes really well with, uh, you know, if you, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, let's go together. Right. Right. right, right. Togetherness. And, and, and also, you know, I, I think about these things that you're talking and it, to me, it also leads us to talk about, you know, DNI as well. Um, and, yes. You know, if you really want to go far together, you also need to go far together with a diverse group of people, because if you just surround yourself by people who look like you, sound like you, think like you, et cetera, you're going to be talking in this echo chamber. Right. And so yeah, I think, right. you know, as we start building out these communities, whether they're school communities or, you know, the communities you live in or uh, student run communities, et cetera, they need to represent that diverse and inclusive audience that uh, that exists inside that community as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, how do we go about being intentional and in creating the space for that? You know, and I, I, I use the word space a lot and it's not just physical space, but like the mental space, the emotional space. So those voices, uh, you know, who maybe have not felt heard or seen or, or feel they've been even able to have a, a seat at the table of conversation can now approach that table and begin to initiate that dialogue and, and start to build in that, that sense of belonging and that community, which is, is, is so powerful moving forward um, because we need those voices more than ever. Yeah. So Aaron, both you and Scott, I mean, both working in, you know, the K, the K-12 education sector um, have direct influence in that space. Is there, I mean, you know, we're always looking for ideas here at Microsoft at ways that we can do things better, but and you don't have to have an answer today, but just kind of curious and have you guys noodle on. Are there things that we as, you know, Microsoft education, is there anything that we can do more or do better to enable these types of environments or these communities for for all all different folks, whether those be leaders, educators, uh, students, et cetera? I don't know if you have any ideas now. Feel free to riff if you do. If not, we can like, but I'm just curious, open for that feedback on how we can do better and enable these spaces. Yeah, I mean, I think we've been we've been grappling with that as well in Iowa. I know in Iowa, people don't necessarily probably think of diversity, uh, but there's like across the nation and the world, um, 
things are changing um, and, and the economics and all the things are, are there's just impacts all around. And so now I think it's really sitting with what are the existing structures in place and do those still work? And I think that's just a really hard conversation that sometimes you got to have an outside voice of perspective. Uh, like to give a prime example, it's like we're looking at socialized standards, which I know is not the, necessarily the point of this, but we're looking at like in, in fifth grade in Iowa, a lot of people will study uh, uh, Native Americans, and but they do it through the lens of like exploring geography. Uh, but the problem is it's all taught like as if these people existed like in this one time period, right? Like we're going to talk about this one time period because it's it's with geography as opposed to like this is a culture. These are people. They're still here. Like they they thrive. Like this is not like some little isolated chapter in a textbook, which so often happens. How do we acknowledge that that's wrong? Um, and what are we going to do? And so we're just having a, a conversation with the lo local Native American uh, settlement here in Iowa. Like, how do we bring you to the forefront? How do we start to bring your voice? How do we create curriculum? Yeah. And not that that's a Microsoft solution, but I think it's it's sitting there and going, okay, we have these things that maybe we never even thought were, you know, uh, not that I don't think anybody did it to say that it, to be intentional, but now that we are having more chance to have open conversation what does that look like you know and that's uh those things don't happen until we start bringing people at the table and you start to hear those stories and that's how that happened that that's where my head went aaron it was perfect almost like you were reading my mind I, it's telling those stories right so whatever to to get to robin's question but just in general the more of us that can provide space to have those stories be told right right from from all people age and race and gender and all the interests, though, all those things. Um, I think it really, I, I'm so thankful that I have had experiences with so many different people because it, it really makes me think about life in general and just be more accepting and tolerant and intelligent and, and you know, worldly from, from those experiences. And I think the more that we can bring those stories to the forefront and just have honest dialogue about it, I think it really, it can do nothing other than make us all think. Right. You know, and, and be right. a little bit more exposed to different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. So, Aaron, I know, you know, you're you kind of bleed STEM and, uh, you know, done tons around robotics and Legos. But what do you think it is about, you know, the STEM learning environment, whether folks feel like it's more innovative or, you know, easier to maybe do something outside the box. Um, why do you feel, or why do you think that the, the teaching and learning environment, sometimes when we associate it with STEMs, um, seems to be so much more impactful uh, for so, so many folks, whether that be students or even teachers feeling like they can push the the edge of the envelope a little bit more? Yeah, I've been I've been grappling with this quite a bit this year, and. Um... I, I, I've, I've shifted my mindset and my philosophy. I was just looking back at a, a draft of a presentation I was working on about five, six years ago and the misconceptions of STEM. And I was I could list all these things that, you know, and I'm looking back at it now or looking at it today going, oh, wow, some of these things are, that's just nowhere where my headspace is. I think um, STEM has has opened up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities and there's a ton of money and resources and it's, it's created a lever 
uh, to get things into schools and, and education systems um, that we never thought possible. But I think we have to start to now push that further. Um, and my fear is that STEM is going to become, if we're not careful, what like the makerspace movement was about seven, eight years ago. And then if we're not designing with intention to whatever the true goals are, the standards and the, and and how to think, not just what to think, um, it'll come across as more glorified recess. And, and you, we probably can all know stories where there are rooms or schools that have thousands and thousands of dollars of stuff and someone leaves and that stuff sits on the shelf and it's lost um, because it hasn't created this ecosystem. So I think what the beauty of STEM has done is it has opened it up to allow all of us to be human. And there's a there's like this un, unwritten uh, permission to do all the things we know we want to do in the classroom, to explore and ask questions, to, to process, to tinker. What happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? So the bigger question is, you know, why are we not expanding that and i used to always say like stem shouldn't be a, a a room down the hall it should be a mindset that's woven into the fabric of everything and so how do we i think as, as teachers now coming back to what you were talking about earlier robin about being nimble and we we have this rub of like how do we take think we know what didn't work and things that we proved that did work when we had to be nimble and pivot in this authentic experience what we're really doing is is, is creating stem which is just the curiosity of being a human being um and if we need to have a, a, a label to it to get funding, great. But it's not just those four core subjects. It's it's just it's just uh, good friends of mine that I do all these projects with. The two teachers, it's, they always say it's just how we do business. It's just how we do business. Um, and so I think that's um, I don't know. It might rub some people the wrong way, but I think it's 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 we don't have to make it more complicated than it needs to be. We have a, a, a question that's actually coming in from somebody watching live right now. Charo is, is asking, you know, what's your take on universities offering a degree in STEM? And do you see this as beneficial in ensuring deeper understanding of STEM and classroom instruction? So, yeah, I think it's a, I, I've been watching this closely. We have it here in our local universities. And what I what I like, uh, uh, well, I like and dislike it. Um, so I should just go on. No, these are just opinions. I, they're not, just because I say something doesn't mean that they're actual factual. But uh, what I like about it is it shows me that universities higher ed is, is rethinking the system. Um, they're rethinking how do we how do we adapt to the needs of the K-12 system? Um, I've been doing college tour visits with my son, who's a senior. And in one college, I won't name the name, on the whiteboard in the education room, uh, they were still, uh, the assignment was to create a web quest. I haven't heard that word since like 19, <laughs> wow. I don't know, uh, you know, 90, maybe, I'll, I'll be nice, 2003. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. So, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> um, but I think at the same time, it can't be so scripted where it feels like it's like a packaged curriculum either. Um, and so I think it, it can be done well. I think it opens up a lot of opportunities. And I hope that people taking that in those classes, if designed correctly, start going, well, this needs to be in my methods course. And where is this and this? And, and that voice keeps driving uh, the, the, the college voice. People going into the education field keep asking for more of those things. Um, I think that's when, when the higher ed will, will, will listen because at the end of the day, they need they need enrollment, um, and so I think that's there's a great opportunity for that to to shift to get our our new wave of educators. Uh, we have a shortage. We have we have an issue, um, so we need to revamp some things to to draw people in. And that's just not a higher ed problem. That's a a, a 
much bigger system. So I'm not putting all the blame on them, but there's an opportunity just like K-12 for higher ed to uh, rethink some of that. And, and piggybacking on what we talked about earlier with, you know, telling the stories of all people, I, I feel like that's what we need in this case too, is teachers and students and schools who are doing this work right. to speak up and tell the story. Because the three of us know when you walk into a classroom that is founded on this steam or STEM kind of thinking with creativity and collaboration. I mean, it's, there's a different, I get chills just thinking about it. There's a different right. kind of energy when you walk into that room versus the one where it's just all lecture or independent work. Uh, and we've certainly been in many of those classrooms as well in our career. So right. telling those stories, right. And, and, and showing the examples of what it can look like to inspire people to think outside of their box. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's it. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard. I mean, teachers are being asked to do 20 hours of work in an eight hour day, but I think we also, um, we collectively as education system can tell the narrative. I think we keep waiting for others to tell the narrative and, and we're not liking the narrative, at least locally, the narrative in the papers isn't always glamorous about our schools. And yeah. um, it's offensive to the people that it's, it's a lifestyle, you know? And so we can complain about it or we can start to, to rise up and, and, and tell that story. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to get the, the, the powerful things that are, that are happening out there? So, so people start to rally around that and go, this is what I want for my kid. And this is what I want for our, my community. Um, and so I think there's hopefully through some of this, uh, you know, post COVID stuff, we start to see this grassroots effort of, of, of more educators bringing their voice to the table, to, to, you know, and that local lens to, to start the rally to go, we are doing good stuff and it's right here. Come see it before you uh, put something in the press. Yeah. So, you know, with all this talk about STEM, can't we can't uh, let this night end without learning more about what you're doing with the mothership yeah. of STEM, which is massive. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so do, would you share a little bit with everybody what you're, what you're working on right now and what that entails and yeah, yeah. Uh, what I understand? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we uh, piloted a project around, I mean, all this stuff we're talking about, you know, we can, we can talk about it or we can, we also got to do something about it. So we've got, um, we did two projects. The main one here um, ended up using uh, a partnership with NASA, which was just an incredible um intertwine of things that happen. But the, the driving question was, what are the key ingredients to survive regardless of time, space, and place? The challenge that we started with was looking at what is the problem the teacher is facing? That's where we start my conversations with anybody that I'm working with. And in this case, um, she just wasn't real eager on, on the approach to how ancient Egypt was being taught. Like, how do we get kids to care about the past beyond that there's some pharaohs and pyramids, right? Like, like how do we make that meaningful? So long story short, we shuffled, we, we, we interwove and we connected um, social studies and ELA standards. And what came of that was computer science and STEM. Um, in Iowa, we have the universal construct. So for most people, that's like your four C's. Um, and we spent a lot of time on how to think. And, and through that, we analyze the skill sets and the, and the dispositions of survival, looking at the past. What did people in ancient Egypt do to survive and, and stay alive through all the challenges they had? Through the present times, we read all 13, which is about the soccer team that got trapped in the, in the caves, mm -hmm. uh, which now has a really powerful uh, movie is out. Uh, but that was our nonfiction text. 
and then we segued into the future with the Artemis project that NASA has, which hopefully here by the end of the month, it, it will have the, the launch here. But the crazy thing to think about is we think about this change and being nimble. Um, you know, when we, we were, we worked with a, a gentleman from NASA, Stephen Smith, who gave, met with the kids every two weeks to give real-time feedback on, is it actually a problem? How do we tweak it? What exists? What doesn't exist? We learned that when these, at this time, there were sixth graders last year, when they graduate high school, we're going to be able to see lights and infrastructure on the moon. And I think when you say that, you let that sink in, like that's not too far away. That's, that's my daughter's a sixth grade now. Like, all my nerdy science fiction fantasy <laughs> books and movie like it's a thing like it's, it's like, finally it's, gonna happen <laughs> yeah but what are we doing like we're having a hard time trying to figure out how to be good global citizens right now uh let alone thinking about space citizens if we yeah. don't want history to repeat itself here's an opportunity uh to weave in in this case stem was our approach to create engagement and these kids created solutions to how are we going to live on the moon um which required them to study like how we actually live here on earth now and in the past to be able to build those those structures and, and, and solutions um and it was phenomenal and we're running it again this year but this year it's open to anybody so we've got classrooms from all over the world um from south africa all the way to here we are where I'm at in Iowa and everywhere in between. Um, and so everyone can follow along in this journey and, and participate, uh, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's f fantastic work. I mean, it's getting students to be problem solvers, creative, uh, you know, really give a purpose to understand the past and the history and then the weaving in of the language arts and nonfiction there. I mean, it's it's all encompassing, but I think the most important thing or thing that I love the most was you guys are actually connecting these folk, these children during this process to an authentic audience, bringing in that NASA engineer to talk to them and, and get let them to pitch their ideas and get some authentic feedback. It gives gives it the learning purpose for the students when they actually have someone to connect to, not to mention just the exposure of career professions and opportunities. And, you know, I think we all, we often tell our kids, you know, you see all those little first day signs that everybody has their little kids fill out or whatever, or maybe the parents fill them out for the right, kids. Right. But it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we're like, you know, I always think you're asking maybe a five-year-old, what do they want to be when they grow up? How many, how many career choices have they been really exposed to? Right. Uh, and so I think like, how do we continue to embed more professional career opportunities inside that learning space with our students when they are very young and not feel like they're forced into a box to be a, not that there's anything wrong with it, but a no, fireman right, right. or a policeman or a yeah. teacher, because those are the classic careers that they have exposure to. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and how, how do, we, oh, yeah, oh go, go ahead, Aaron, sorry. No, you're good. Go, go Scott. I was going to say, and, and how do we equip them with the skills to be ready for those different jobs, right? Because all that data around 60, 70, whatever the percentage is now of jobs that don't even exist yet that our kids are going to be walking into in 10, 15 years? How do we prepare them with the skills to be ready for all those jobs and not be so focused on, you know, the two or three or four that are still important, but, you know, there's, there's so much of a world out there. Yeah. You talked to, I mean, as you bring that up, it, it reminds me a lot around, we had uh, one of the things that we had to figure out as educators was this idea of like, we called it conversational design. And I'm sure it probably maybe means something else somewhere, but that's what we came up with. Um, so the first time we worked with NASA, 
we had questions and we asked and yada, yada, yada. And then as the kids pitch their projects the second time to get feedback, we had them prepare, right? So we had like, you need to come up with the questions that you want to ask and, you know, whatever. So the, the group would come up um, to, to, to Stephen uh, through Zoom and it would say, hey, here's what we're thinking. And he would be like, no, it's, you know, you need to rethink blah, 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 blah. They didn't know what to do. The, their, their next nine questions were irrelevant because the first the answer, you know, but they panicked. And, and, and this was an aha for us as well. Like, so they didn't know what to do. So they asked the second question and they're like, he's like, oh, I just, I just told you, you know, so we had to go back. And I think part of that wow. being nimble is for us is like, we're the learners too. We're like, we have to teach you how to host a conversation. And we had to flip the mindset of this time with, with Steven, you are the expert. This is your time with him to get what you need, not you sitting hoping that he's going to just shovel knowledge down your goal. It's you're in charge. And so that was a whole different lesson that we had to think about as we worked with not just Steven, but we brought PBS in to give feedback on how to tell a story. We wanted them to, to for their exhibition to the community was tell their story of learning. And so then they had to do their presentation and work with the people who create the shows for PBS. We brought in a, a survivalist to talk about mindsets and what he did when trapped. So we just constantly kept putting them in front of people. Going back to what you said, Robin, understand careers. And even with NASA, what we didn't realize is there's 100,000 employees only 44 are astronauts like they need <laughs> artists and they need people that yeah. you know know how to tell a story and they need social media designers and we're just like as educators too it brings up another point do we even know the jobs that are out there um mm -hmm. we're we're so consumed in our job because it's so much right I, there's not enough time to sit there and, and always see how much is changing around us because the the stakes are so high for our, our kids in our classrooms and so there's another opportunity of how do we empower the educators um, with that knowledge as well yeah i mean i think if you design a learning experience that folds in the these opportunities in the classroom then you're learning right there with your kids and that's okay yep. that's fine you don't have to know all the things before your kids do right it's that that yeah. mindset of we're going to learn this together i don't know all the answers but let's let's go and learn this together Right. And Aaron, as always, uh, such a pleasure to chat with you and learn from you. You, uh, you know, fill a special part of my bucket every time we chat. So thank <laughs> you. It's always good to see you. <laughs> but before we wanted to let you go, uh, you down for a few uh, lightning round questions? Sure. All right. All right. Here we go. Um, I'll, I'll start them off with kind of easy. So, um, what food could you not? What was that? Sorry, I cut out there on my end, I think. Yep. I said, what food could you not live without? I don't know if it's a food. I'll say, I'm going to, I got to say coffee because it's like, <laughs> I think I, on I, brand. I, I think, on it, brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my, uh, my blood is, is, is tarnished a little brown. So um, I could give up food. I don't think I could give up coffee. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's I'll how you prepare it. You could eat coffee. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say sugar for my coffee. How about that there? <laughs> All right. If you could be anywhere in the world right now, where would you want to be? Well, I, uh, somewhere warm. I'm going to say like Hawaii or San Diego, maybe where Scott's at. There Hang out there Come for on a little out. bit. Come on out. <laughs> All right. And, you know, I know you, uh, you love Legos, so I know you like to play. And you have a creative mindset. So what's your favorite game? Ooh, 
I say uh, card game just because it's the one game that my family can actually, we can all agree to play, um, and that would be Uno. So classic. we actually That's do get everybody together. It's a standard that actually like, people will say yes to. Nice. Over to you, Scott. Yeah, a couple more here, and, and we'll let you go for the night. We appreciate your time so much. Uh, who inspires you most in your life right now? Mm, I definitely would say um, my wife. She's in the classroom grinding out every single day, and she's doing that and being a mother and being a good friend and all the things that come with that. And so I think just to, 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 to be in that presence and watch it and, and see the journey of how tough it is to be an educator and still have the energy to do all the other things. It's pretty incredible. I love that. As, as a husband of a principal uh, of an elementary school, I respect that. We, <laughs> yeah. we live the similar life and we respect yeah. our wives just the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. And uh, we'll get you out of here on this one. little personal question. We have one, uh, one common interest among many, uh, Dave Matthews Band. So if you go to see Dave and you get to pick one song, you make sure they have to play. What's that song? Ooh, Spoon. Love it. But only if Good. Alanis Morissette comes and joins. Oh, nice. Now we're getting, I like that little cameo appearance. I like yeah, that. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. That's awesome. Thank you, man. We appreciate having you. Appreciate your time so much and your friendship. And, and uh, we look forward to learning from you, of course, throughout the school year and, and well beyond. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just an honor to uh, sit here and chat with you guys and, and see both of you. Hopefully, we can see each other face to face at some point in the future. So thanks for uh, the opportunity here. You bet. I have so have a great year, Aaron, and uh, sending send all the love to your family. Yes, we'll do. I will definitely them. let them know. Yeah, we're thankful that they let you. They shared you with us tonight. So we're probably Absolutely. thankful for a little break. So it's all good. <laughs> we'll go back and harass them, then, will you? Hey, there you go. There you go. We'll do. <laughs> all right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take care. You too. Goodness, for for those who don't know, Aaron, that is what every conversation with Aaron Maurer is like. Like literally. You just get into the deepest, most amazing conversations with him. Um, I don't know if he remembers this, but there was a dinner in Seattle after, I think it was NCCE several years ago that he and Jason Mockerman and I had. And we must have talked for a couple hours about all things education. And from that moment, I was just uh, super inspired and, and appreciative of his knowledge and his passion for education. Yeah, there. I mean... No words to describe Aaron. He's just, he's one of a kind. And I'm so grateful to have him in my life uh, for sure. And so hopefully you enjoyed uh, hearing from Aaron tonight. Definitely follow him uh, out on social media, all the social places. He's out there everywhere. Check out his, uh, his blog, his show. Um, amazing guy. Yep. There you go. Coffeeforthebrain.com. Check him out. Stay connected. Uh, you will learn a ton. No doubt. Robin, wonderful conversation this week. Thanks for another great episode. Yeah, likewise. You bet. Always love connecting. No doubt. Have a great week, everybody. We'll look forward to talking to you all very soon. Yep. Good night, everyone. Take care. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation.